Pray big promises, yearning, pleading, expecting. But let's pray before we begin. Our Father, we thank you that you have given us your Son. And we pray that you would come and meet with us now. Please, Lord, as you have told us to pray, to always pray and not faint, strengthen us now to pray. Help me by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray big promises. How are we doing at praying God's promises? Maybe you think about this year already. What promises have we brought to the Lord? Psalm 119, verse 49. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. In other words, he's saying, I'm your servant, Lord. You've given me a word. You've given me a promise. You've caused me to put all my confidence and my longing in that promise. Now, Lord, remember this promise, your promise. You said you would do this. Hear me, Lord. This is what you, you told me. Will you do what you said? Spurgeon mentions this, this aspect of prayer so much in all of his, his preaching. And he, he wrote this. He said, it is a grand thing when you are pleading with any man to bring his own handwriting before him. You have then a hold upon him of the firmest kind. The intent of God in giving us the promise, as it were, in black and white, in his own handwriting, is that he may be inquired of us, that he may be inquired of by us to do those very things which he has engaged himself to do. Prayer, then, is nothing more than this, my believingly remembering that God has promised a certain blessing, and then my reminding him that he has promised it. We can pray all of God's promises, but I'm a burden today, especially to encourage us all to pray big promises in this prayer meeting, in our prayers. Sometimes we pray more specifically for things. Sometimes we pray more broader. And both of these are important. It's good to have balance in our prayers of very focused prayers and general prayers. Jesus, in, in teaching us to pray, includes both specific requests and broad requests. He tells us to pray for our daily bread, our daily needs, for protection and daily temptations, for asking forgiveness for specific sins. But he also instructs us to pray for the broad, far-reaching prayers for his kingdom to arrive, for his will to be accomplished, and for his kingdom, uh, and for his name, his name to be hallowed. What a better way for us to pray for revival and for awakening than to bring great these great promises to the Lord that concern his kingdom and his will and his renown. This kind of praying produces wonderful results in us and through us. When we internalize the big promises that God's made to us, we find the spirit doing at least three things in us. 
First, he helps us to yearn. He increases that desire within us for the Lord's will to be done. And then he helps us to plead. He gives us that desire that results in our crying and pleading to the Lord for the fulfillment of his promise. And then he, he assures us with an expectation. An increasing yearning for revival and awakening, a steady pleading for it, and a faith-filled expecting it to happen all grow out of praying God's big promises, yearning, pleading, expecting. I want to offer two illustrations of this, uh, one of them from the Bible and one from church history. One of the most significant prayers of intercession in the Bible is Daniel 9. And we know it's, it's a prayer of Daniel confessing the sins of Israel. But don't miss the root of this prayer. Do you remember how it all began? Daniel was reading Jeremiah. And he encountered the prophecy. It's in both chapter 25 and 29 that, that Israel was going to be in exile for 70 years. And then God would restore his people. Jeremiah 29 verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. When Daniel read that promise, the Lord stirred his heart with a yearning. He longed for the restoration of his people. He longed for the temple to be rebuilt. He had mourned many how many times? Countless times for this very fact. God's temple was right now in a heap of ruins. There was no sacrifice being offered there. There was no gathering to worship the Lord. There was no prayer being offered up in the house of prayer. And so Daniel's heart was stirred, but now he comes to this promise. The Lord says he's going to visit us he's going to bring us back this stirred his heart with yearning and it says in, in the beginning of daniel 9 that he turned his face to the lord he sought the lord by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting this yearning led to daniel's pleading and you read daniel 9 you see a man who's pleading with god to bring his people back to restore them. And I think one of the keys to the whole prayer, he, he confesses much of the sin, but then when he gets to verse 18, he says, Oh Lord, make your face shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. He longed for the glory of God to come again, to fill the temple, for God to come down again and dwell with his people, the blessing of his presence. That what was so what was so important to him. And so Daniel prayed with this yearning and this pleading. And we know it was a prayer of faith, of expectation. We see this is one that immediately he's answered. Gabriel comes that evening uh, and gives him an answer to his prayer. Praise the Lord for illustrations like these. They help strengthen us to pray, to take a hold of God's promises and to pray like this too. And I want to just offer one more illustration closer to our day, 1949, on the Scottish island of Lewis, two sisters in their 80s, Peggy and Christine Smith. They were deeply concerned with the spiritual barrenness in their church and community. 
they were watching the next generation turning away from the Lord. Their churches, many of the parents were legalistic. They had this form of godliness. They didn't have the power of God in their lives. And there was a little spiritual vibrancy among God's people. At some point, these ladies came to a big promise. And that promise is Isaiah 44, 3. They read, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. When they read this, they sensed this, this promise was suited just for them. Here they were in a dry land surrounded by churches that were dried up with a community that was just running, turning away from God. They were lacking the living water, the Holy Spirit. And, and this promise became something that they grabbed a hold of. God was going to pour out his spirit. They began to believe it and their hearts began to yearn for it, that it, the spirit of God would even pour on their descendants, on their offspring. This was going to affect the next generation of young people too. They began praying, giving themselves to extraordinary prayer for revival because of this promise. They set aside two or three times a week to pray for five hours in the middle of the night from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. It's a good time when no one disturbs you. After a couple of weeks, they called their pastor, Pastor Mackay. They told him about their burden. And they said, Pastor, will you invite other um, leaders in the church to pray along with us, gather together, and every Tuesday and Friday evening during these five hours in the middle of the night, will you pray for God to pour out his spirit? And praise God, they had a pastor who, who said, yes, this is, this is of the Lord. And he soon found seven other men who were willing to meet faithfully in the dead of winter, out in a barn, to plead for revival. Several weeks later, at one of these prayer meetings in a barn, a younger man read Psalm 24, 4 through 6, about how the Lord desires us to come with clean hands and a pure heart. And, and he, he suggested that their praying for revival was useless if they hadn't come with their clean hands and pure hearts. He, he prayed himself, Lord, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And that led to all those who were there to break into confessing their sins and dealing honestly before God with every matter in their lives. And all felt that that was the very beginning of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the island of Lewis. They were gripped with this presence of God. From that day, people all around, they felt this awe-inspiring presence of God was there with them. He was right there. And, and this caused them to be absorbed with setting their mind on things above and, and making priority to to give themselves to speaking of how the Lord is working in their lives. This led to calling a preacher to come uh, named Duncan Campbell. And as soon as Mr. Campbell arrived on the island, uh, the night he arrived, they, they asked him if he could come speak at the, at the church because there were 200 to 300 people at the Barbas Free Church. They're ready to hear from the Lord. He said, sure, I'll, I'll go right there. He went and immediately had the, his first meeting. He shared the word. He had said it was a wonderful sense of God in that meeting. 
something he hadn't known for 30 years. But it seemed like nothing happened that very first meeting. As he pronounced benediction, he, after he, he went down into the aisle and, and there met him a, a man who came to him. He said, nothing is broken out, but God is hovering over us and he'll break through at any moment. As soon as all the congregation left the building, this young man was still in the aisle with Mr. Campbell. Everyone was out and he just lifted his hands to the Lord. He began to cry out, God, you made a promise. You promised to pour water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground. And you're not doing it. This young man began to pray and plead with the Lord. He, so much so he fell on the floor. Mr. Campbell was still there. And five minutes later, the church door opened. A man came in. Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. Revival has broken out. Come and see. They went to the door and there gathered around the church at 11 p.m. were six to 700 people. They were drawn with the sense that they need to gather. They began singing the Psalms. They sang Psalm 126. There was joy in their singing, but it was mixed with the sound of men crying out for mercy. After about 45 minutes of singing, they entered the church. Now the group was 800. The church was full. And noticeably, there were so many young people there. Where did all these young people come from? By the time Mr. Campbell got up to the pulpit, there was a, a girl lying on the floor, a recent graduate from university. She was there crying out again and again, is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? God was working. She, with 100 other young people, they had come from a dance hall. They had been enjoying themselves that evening. All of a sudden, in the middle of all their revelry, a disturbing conviction fell on them that overcame them, that they were sinners, that they needed to be right with God. And so they fled that dance hall. They headed straight for the church. And sure enough, someone was there at that late hour leading them to Christ. This meeting continued till 4 a.m. And Mr. Campbell thought, now he's finally going to go rest. But no, as he's leaving, a young man approaches him and says, Mr. Campbell, please come to the police station. About five or six miles from here, there are two or 300 people gathered around this police station on their knees, crying out for mercy. They want you to come speak to them. This was just the beginning of the Lewis revival. It resulted in God's renewing his people and bringing in 20,000 people into his kingdom. It began with a promise, a big promise that stirred the heart longings of one of God's servants or multiple of God's servants and proceeded to come out of their mouth. They brought it to the Lord pleading with him. And then their eyes were wide with expectation. God was going to work. He gave them the promise. They pleaded it to him. And so he was going to pour water on them who were thirsty. He would pour the floods on their dry ground. Has this promise expired? Isaiah 44, 3 is for us too. We can claim it today. We can claim all the big promises God's given us that relate to his kingdom moving forward. When we read these promises in our Bible this year, let's note them down. Let's grab them 
internalize them, and let's pray them together. Whenever you come across these promises, bring them to the Lord, pray them back to him, and we can expect to see great things, all for the sake of his name and the glory of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.